Welcome to the Educated Fool Podcast. You are rocking with the Educated Fools. I am one half of the Fools, Dr. Jeff Alexander. And I'm your other half of the Educated Fools, Jarrell. Welcome back to another week. What's up, everybody? Hello. What's happening? Let me uh, let me pick my volume up. I don't know why I was on like my my late night radio deep R and B voice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we still good. I'm just letting everybody know if y'all can hear me. In the, this is the Educated Food Podcast. I don't know. I was tripping there. Yeah. <laughs> so man, we are back once again. Like always, we start every episode thanking you all for the listens, but also asking you to share with your circles, rate us, review mm-hmm. us, interact with us, and you know keep rocking with us as we continue on this educated full journey it's been a fun one it's been a oh, learning sure. experience for both of us so we, we thoroughly enjoyed our time here so thank you all keep rocking with us and as we do every week let's do our check-in how you doing man man this has been a week and my apologies for coming in super hot with my high voice um i got my voice back so from last week i had that head cold now this week I'm like fully back to 100%. And um, it's right in time because we have, we're bringing our students to campus next week. And so I have to be on 100 next week. Um, Cause you know, it's a song and dance when you get in front of those students. So I'm glad that I am back to full health. Um, how about you, man? How's everything going? Everything's good. I'm, I'm kind of in the same mode, right? Like school year is yeah. kicking back up. We, we're inviting students back. And yeah, it's the same thing, right? As a introverted extrovert, I always call myself. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when students come on, it's, it's a different me, right? You gotta turn it on, gotta do the lights, gotta do the energy. But for me, man, that is so draining. So draining. Yes. Um, because once again, I'm an introverted extrovert. I actually don't really enjoy doing those things, but I understand the position I'm in, the field that I'm in, I gotta put on for the folks. So I put on, um, but be tired as hell at the end of the day. For all that energy I give. But other than that, man, things good work-wise. Um, I think think my check-in is going to lead us into a conversation here a little bit. Um, because outside of work, this week has been a reflective week for me, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Um, I've gotten I've gotten called out by people who are close to me with the way that I engage and respond when they are looking for support or looking for an ear. Right. So what I've, what I have found myself and what I've become, and I, and I've known I've been kind of unemotional for a while now. Um, you know, I grew up kind of rough, had, had some pain and I learned how to, you know, push those things to the side, but now it's kind of impacting relationships. Right. Um, so my sister called me earlier this week some some bad news about my dad um, related to his health. Mm-hmm. And I immediately went into like, all right, though, this is what we need to do, right? I immediately went into like fix it mode. Right. And I completely ignored the fact that she was really struggling with the news that she received, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I ignored it. Like I ignored her feelings. Like I didn't take her feelings into account, right? Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. And so I sat with that and I thought about it. Yeah. And then, is that for you the oldest? I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. We do that. We do that all the damn time. So am I. And we do that all the time. So it's kind of like an oldest thing, too. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's protect mode, right? It's yeah. like, it's protect mode. And also, 
because I've been put in this position multiple times as it relates to health and family, stuff like that, like I know we need to immediately start taking steps to to do something. Right. Like, I don't really think about the time. Like I, I feel like oh, maybe we'll, I'm not going to waste time crying about it. Let's like fix it. Yeah. Uh, but it ignored it ignored her feelings. Like and it hurt her. Like it hurt. I hurt my little sister. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that that bothered me. I even it bothered me so much. I even put it on Facebook. Like yo, this is bothering me. I don't, yeah. I don't know why people. I don't know why I ran a Facebook. Like not like Facebook helps anything. It just I just wanted to get off my chest. I guess. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, and then you know uh someone i supervised who's really close to me because we've been she's been in the trenches with me for a while she shared some information with me and i immediately went into help mode and once again completely ignored how she was feeling didn't offer any compassion in that moment um and it impacted her right and that bothered me because I, I look at what you it's, I guess, a bad trait of me as a supervisor. Like, I look at her as, a, like, a little sister. Like, I really I really rock with her and, and care for her. Um, so, for me, like, to have two instances in the same week, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I need to figure out how to be better. Like, even though I'm not an emotional person, I understand people need that from me, and I got to do better at that. So, that's been yeah. bothering me this week. Long check-in, but that's that's kind of been on my mind. No, that's that's real. That's super real. So, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that leads to <laughs> the conversation we ended last week, like my toxic trait or being toxic, right? By not mm-hmm. thinking these things are tax- toxic in the workplace. Um, so, you know, we, we asked this question out on the real. Um, and the reason why we hopping into this toxic conversation first, because I really want to get to what we need to talk about later, which we're going to bring all foolishness for, because it is a foolish, serious topic at the same time. Ooh. But it's foolish for the reason that we have to have it. But um, if you didn't check us last week, go back to last week's episode because you're slacking and you need to listen to it. But at the end right. of last week's episode, I posed the question, right? Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out, am I toxic because I don't believe in toxic work environments? And without any explanation as to why I don't believe in toxic work environments, I dropped that just to see what people would say. Yeah. And got a, got some got a few responses. Um, but I'm gonna let Jarrell go ahead and take the responses. And once again, we're not gonna take too much time on this because there is something I really, really want to get to. <laughs> yeah. So I put the question out there on my social media about you know the question that you asked Jeff, right? And I got some really interesting responses. So there were a lot of people who said yes, the boss is toxic if they don't believe in toxic work environments or they don't take into account pers- people's. Uh, perception of a toxic work environment and that that work environment is actually a, a toxic work environment, right? And I think that where people were coming from was, you know, it's it's the individual's outlook about the environment itself and not just the boss's uh, understanding of a toxic environment or, or, or philosophy about toxic work environments, right? And then I had some fe- people who said, no, not necessarily, right? Like your boss isn't necessarily toxic because sometimes your boss isn't in the trenches with you all. Like, you know, we're both, you know, we're, we're both, you know, upper level directors, right? And so we both have a vantage point that we see things that, you know, the people who work for us may not see those things from. And so I think that it, I think where people are coming from is, you know, they're like, well, you know, as a, you know, as a leader in your department, you may not see 
all the things that people who are following you see on a daily basis, the interactions, the this, the that, because you're, you know, busy with the vision, you're busy with, you know, resources and this and that. And so your mind isn't in those places. So, yeah. I like that. So that's, I like that that. that's the answer I'm, I'm going to roll with is that second one. Right. Yeah. Because I think because you you can't be so far removed mm-hmm. from, you know, the the day to day operations in the trenches. Like I think about when I worked back in housing. Right. Um, right. When I was, you know, a resident director, uh, my and what I was going through, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, my area coordinator couldn't really see because they're not in my building. Right. They're right. dealing with the day to day. So I, I, I get it from that aspect. One some of the responses I received and one of one of the ones that. Um, that that stuck with me, right? Because mm-hmm. typically when we talk, call a, a place toxic or, or a work environment or boss toxic, it's because it's that struggle that I have. And it's kind of with my check and the struggle that I have with like how to be openly honest and authentic and real with someone uh, without making that seem as if you are not taking into account how they feel or not taking into account all of the um, outside factors in their mm-hmm. workplace or in their life that that can breed a toxic feeling or a toxic environment when they're not supported in the workplace. And I think that's where I kind of struggle with it, um, particularly yeah. this week. Um, but for me to explain why I don't believe in toxic work environments, the reason why I don't believe in toxic work environments, I don't place work that highly in my life. So mm-hmm. it doesn't impact me on a emotional level to where yeah. it's toxic because it's just work to me. Like, I, I'll tell people this. I love what I do. I wouldn't like I know it's very hard in this field. And I know a lot of people want to leave this field. Like, I know that. Um, but I love it. Like, I am I'm probably a student affairs higher ed lifer. Like, it's just in me. Um, and yeah. I know it's toxic for a lot of people. Like, they tell me that and I hear that. But for me, I'm like, it's not that big to me. Like at five o'clock, when I clock out, I no longer think about work. Like when I drive off that campus, it's no longer in my lexicon, right? It's now Mm -hmm. now I'm focused on being Jeff the father, Jeff the husband, Jeff the friend, like all those things that I enjoy. So like work can't be toxic for me because it's not that important in my life. Like it doesn't hold any bearings on my mental state. Um, So that's why for me, it brought that question up, like, and that's why I don't think workplaces are toxic. But I, I okay. do understand for others, that's not the case. Like others right. aren't that great at detaching themselves from work. Like work is very much part of who they are, right? right? Especially in a field like ours, which is a helping field, and we give so much mm-hmm. to it. I understand how hard it is to detach yourself from that. But yeah. for me, I can't. So that's why I don't believe in toxic work environments to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, one of the things that I noticed as, you know, when I got into, you know, and I've been in, um, you know, a leader of a department now for the last, you know, three plus years. One of the things that I noticed was that, you know, there's a detachment between us and our bosses because our bosses are over multiple units. Right. Like they just can't be in our business 24 seven because they have other departments that they're responsible for, not just our department. And so on a day-to-day basis, my boss isn't in the office with me, you know, even though he's right next door, you know, he's not in the office with me like I am with my staff. And so, you know, there is a, 
there is a, a level of pressure to perform in front of your boss. Like if my boss was in our actual office, um, like I have a colleague who's another director uh, and my boss is actually in her office um, and stationed in her office. So um, there's kind of a pressure to, um, you know, perform in front of the boss. Right. And so um, but but I don't have that same pressure because he's not in my office. But with my staff, they're in my office. They have there's a pressure to perform because, you know, I've randomly you know shout out like hey i need this or i need that or do this or do that put timelines dates all this other kind of stuff like that and so i have a certain pressure that is placed upon me to you know make sure that the, the department is functioning and running but they have a pressure to actually get the deliverables right um and I'm in the office with them while they're trying to produce their deliverables. And so there could be that added pressure of having your boss in the office with you that we probably just don't have from, you know, not having our boss in the office or not having our boss like totally down our, you know, in our, in our sphere 24 seven, right. Or, or at least not 24 seven, but like eight work, eight days, you know, five days a week, eight, eight, eight hours, days, five I days a week. I want you. It's <laughs> funny that oh. you, that you yeah. mentioned it that way. Uh, because I completely get it when you said it that way, right? Because yeah, some say some will say I rush. I am rushing my staff back to being fully on campus, right? So next week my staff mm. is fully back on campus, um, and I I think I'm the only department where I have full my whole full staff will be back. I'm the only department, um, but it makes sense. I'm in mm-hmm. I'm in enrollment. I'm in, in like that's they need to be back. But the biggest reason for doing that was to apply pressure. Um, I know that not everybody works really well remotely. Some, some are, some are productive, some aren't right. Like I know that. So I bring them all back. So mm-hmm. I put pressure so they can feel the pressure to deliver these deliverables. Cause I'm there. They didn't have that same pressure remotely. Right. So for some of them, they haven't been delivering is great. So I'm like, all oh, y'all coming back. Yeah. So I can, I can see you. I can now it's, I'm turning into like a micromanager, which I hate, but there's deliverables, our enrollment is decreasing, more pressure is being placed on our department. So my my expectations have increased. So so I get it mm-hmm. though. I get that pressure of yeah. your boss. Like my boss is right next door, right? So she's not, and our, our walls are hella thin. So um, I feel that pressure right. just because our walls are so thin. Right. I need to sound like I'm working all the time. Right. <laughs> no, it's real. So, Which you are, brother. Yeah. Like you, you are working. I mean, I work yeah. so hard. Like that's why, you know, this week, to even the last two weeks, right? To to find time to schedule this has been difficult because I'm yeah. at our county fair all you know at nights. So I work in the day, and then I go to the county fair at night to to try to get students in. Like I'm I'm trying to get our numbers up, right? I'm I'm doing my part at least. Yeah. That's all I that's all I can do. <laughs> so we breeze through that tox. We breeze through that combo because I want to get oh, yeah. this combo. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, y'all, if y'all listened in for this toxic conversation and it didn't, mm. it didn't hit the marker for you, but yeah. it is what it is at this point. I love y'all still. Keep listening. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What I want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Lil John. The <laughs> <laughs> baby. The baby. Mm. 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 Bruh, mm. I, I'm gonna let you go ahead and say, I, 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 mm, mm. 
I'm struggling. I am struggling. It's not that I have a lack of words. It is just that I am trying to find the words to express my absolute disgust for the baby and a few others. I'll let you rock first because I'm going to have to find, I'm going to dig deep to find the most appropriate way to express what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> okay, cool. I can do that. What I will do is I will let people know what happened, just in case mm-hmm. you don't know. Right? Oh, yeah. And this situation is a perfect example of what I tell people all the time. It's okay to shut up. It's okay not to say anything, particularly if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right? It's okay to shut up. You don't always have to give your opinion. You don't yeah. always have to give your thoughts, especially when nobody's asked for them. And this is a, this is an nope. example of that. So for those yeah. that don't know, the rapper, the baby, not little baby, the <laughs> baby, uh, mm-hmm. was at Rolling Loud, and for some reason, he decided to give a speech. Um, it's not really a speech. It's you know you try to hype the crowd up, so you're talking, right? So he's trying to hype the crowd up. Yeah. For no reason at all, he attacks the LGBTQ community for no reason at all. Um, and in his speech, he, in his little rant, he says something like, um, women, if you're getting money, make noise. But And then he told people, if you're out spreading STDs, spreading AIDS, like disparaging the homosexual mm-hmm. community, shut up, don't say anything, don't mm-hmm. say and then he go back and tell men, if you're getting money, make noise, right? So obviously, people came for him. Like this, you can't say those things, right? Like, first off, you're spreading lies about a community and a lie that has been placed on this community well over 35 years. And I'm going to say 35 years because I'm turning 35 mm-hmm. this year. And that would be 86. Yeah. So yeah. that's just, right? Like it's over 30 years. This lie has over been placed on this community. Yeah. Close to 40. Right? Yeah, close to 40. Um, I mean, about homosexual men in particular, spreading AIDS just all willy-nilly. Like, mm-hmm. like this is only a STD that is within this community, right? And one, it is irresponsible, it's dangerous, it's ill-informed, and it's idiotic, it's ignorant. It's so many words in the dictionary that I can throw at those comments. Mm-hmm. And when someone such as the baby who has a platform, who has a following, then you have other people latching on and leeching to these dumbass comments. Yep. Somebody who we told to get off the internet a long time ago, Boozy, always had something to say. That fucking... Jesus. Okay, sorry. T.I., who who reads the dictionary probably every day because he loves throwing out these ridiculous words that no one ever uses in mm-hmm. normal conversation. Right? These people latch on and then it becomes, especially now in social media, a pile-on party on this particular community that was minding their own damn business. And one thing okay. that I will say, there was one tweet that I saw, um, and I'm going to mess it up. I know I'm going to get it wrong. But he was like, you know what's what I find disrespectful and funny at the same time? The gay community is actually the safest community because we get tested more regularly than heterosexuals do. 
because yep. of the sex that we have. Yep. <laughs> it's the heterosexual community, particularly those who are the most homophobic, the down low brothers, who are spe- spreading and transmitting these STDs because they are the ones getting regularly tested. I know. So, and keep in mind the down and, and let me just throw a caveat out there: down low brothers are not gay. These are not brothers that are part of our community. These are straight men. These men identify as heterosexual. So let's be very clear: they're not a part of my community at all. <laughs> yeah. So that's where this conversation is stemming from. It's from one to have a real conversation around the the myth and the lies as it relates to the community also just mm-hmm. to tell the baby to shut the hell up yeah uh, nobody's asking for your comments and i hate i hate its apology because his apology is the one that frustrates me the most when people's like i don't care they can do what they want to do basically but you do care because it was on your mind mm-hmm. while you were performing and my question is why is that even on your mind it's been my experience the most homophobic people that I've ever engaged with Mm -hmm. were those down low brothers and down low women who, when they turn 40 and 50 Mm -hmm. get a divorce, now they marrying their best friend who's been around forever. That's just me. That's just my experience. Hello. (laughs) You wonder why your auntie best friend come to all the Thanksgiving dinners? That ain't your auntie best friend. That's your auntie boo. Mm -hmm. Just let you know. If you didn't know yet. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give the floor to you. I know you got a lot to get off your chest. I'm gonna give the floor to you, and we'll go from there. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Your resident gay here. Okay. Um. So this week, as Jeff said, the baby made some comments with his PT Cruiser hat ass head. Okay, and let these things come out of his mouth that were so disparaging, so degrading, so humiliating for folks that it made me cringe and stop where I was. I was literally in the grocery store getting a pack of sausage, which is ironic. Um, (laughs) And I just stood there and held the package like, what? Because I had my AirPods in and I'm like, got the package about to shut the freezer door and i'm like you can't be fucking you can't be serious so the baby let me go here with you okay i'm not even going to honor you with human status by calling you the baby okay i am going to revert you to neonatal status and call you the fetus because that's exactly what the fuck you're acting like you're acting like a fetus okay you're acting like someone with the intelligence of mere survival in a womb, okay? That's it. So, the fetus, let me go here with you. One, what you said was horribly, horribly inaccurate because, one, if people are outside and rolling loud parking lot sucking dick in a car, that's their business. There are women who give fellatio in the back of cars at rolling loud parking lot, and that's their business. There are men who do it, too. That's their business. There are men giving women fellatio in the backs of cars at Rolling Loud because that's just what Rolling Loud is. It is one big, gigantic mess that shouldn't have happened anyway because we are still in the middle of a fucking pandemic, okay? Let's be very clear. 
this thing should not have happened to begin with because we are still in a Pandarosa, okay? Like, this panini ain't going nowhere because of motherfuckers like y'all. Then you got to go in the middle of the Panasonic to Rolling Loud to, after you spend all of your money, to go to these ridiculously priced festivals to then be disparaged by someone who is spitting out filth to you if you're sucking dick in the parking lot. That's none of your business. And you even have songs where you're talking about getting head in the backs of cars. You yourself are saying you got heads in the back of the, head in the back of cars or fellatio in the back of cars. But then you come back and then you say, oh, well, baby fans is too classy for that. Baby fans ain't getting um, or giving head in the back of no car. Excuse me, sir. You are not even an example of what you said your fans were. You said your fans were classier than getting head or do, giving uh, or, or giving head in the back of a car. Yet you have songs about getting head in the back of a car. You are trash. You are literal trash. You're not even in a representation of what you're even stating. So how is it that you hold your fans to a higher standard and then you disparage other people because of what they do, even though you do it too? That makes no fucking sense. Just like with T.I. and his caping for you when he said, oh, well, if Lord Nas X can pop his shit, then I guess the baby can pop his shit too. First of all, T.I., Clifford, okay, Clifford Harris. First of all, Clifford Harris, like Dr. Jeff said, your ass need to go back to a dictionary because clearly the words that you look at and read every day to go spitting them on Instagram ain't working for your dumb ass. Second of all, don't you don't you have a sexual assault charge that you need to worry about, you and your wife? How is it that you're a whole predator out here and not to mention not only a predator, you're also a pedophile because the person in, 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 in uh, question here happened to be underage at the time when y'all were locking her in dungeons and shit like that, having sex with her in orgies and drugging this girl up. Apparently, she was still underage. So not only are you a predator, but you're also a pedophile. Mind your fucking business. And mind you and Smokey Robinson business, a.k.a. your wife. How about that? Y'all do that. Y'all do that. You Y'all do fucking that. Then Boosie, Boosie, Boosie. Everything gay, you have something to say. <laughs> Everything gay, you got something to say. Bruh, please don't try it. Don't try it. You're the same person out here who had your son raped. Literally. You had a grown woman have sex with your son, which is rape. It's pedophilia. All of y'all are pedophil pedophiles and perverts. And then you're equating this to Lord Nas X. The two don't match. It's stupid. It is idiotic that you would even equate the two because the two don't match. The opposite of homosexuality is not disparaging people. The opposite of homosexuality is heterosexuality. Idiot. So, again, how is the baby disparaging folks with HIV and giving fellatio in cars and not having pussy that smell like what? Oops. Jesus, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going on road. And 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 vagina that does not smell like water. How is that tantamount to Lil Nas X having a video about him twerking in jail, right? 
Like Lil Nas X is about liberation and freedom and respect and, and, and rightfully respecting other people and other people's spaces and things of that nature. He's out here having fun and he's out here being himself. It is not the opposite of whatever it is the fuck y'all talking about, right? Like that freedom is the opposite of the actual bondage that y'all are talking about because literally y'all are talking bondage to people. Like, yo, if you ain't uh, if you ain't out here sucking dick in the parking lot, then you put your lighter up. And if you ain't got vagina that smell like water, put your lighter up. Like literally, you're speaking bondage to people, right? Like if you don't have HIV AIDS, put your lighter up. Like there are people out here who literally have HIV and AIDS not because they were out here being nasty, not because they were out here being sexually liberated or anything like that. They were out here, you know, they, they, they have this unfortunate disease that they're living with and managing and doing a damn good job with it because there are some people who are HIV AIDS who look far better than me, who are in far better health than me, you know what I'm saying? And they out here doing a damn thing. There are people who were born with HIV and AIDS. There were people who were unjustly given HIV and AIDS due to molestation, I mean, due, due to predatory acts, like what T.I. and Tiny be out here doing to folks, what Boosie was out here doing to his fucking son that got him to lose his virginity, that woman could have gave him fucking HIV or AIDS or something like that. Like, literally, the things that y'all do and the things that y'all have in y'all social sphere are the very things that, you know what I'm saying, y'all are trying to rail against. Y'all are trying to rail against the fact that people have HIV and AIDS, but yet you're out here with unsafe sexual practices and committing unsafe sexual practices that promote the spread of this disease, not Lil Nas X. So again, my question for Defeatus, Clifford, and Boosie is how are these two things the same? It's not. There is, it's, it's literally, Jeff, I was talking to someone this week and I told them, I was like, being gay is kind of like being an X-Man, right? Like you have this magnificent superpower that sometimes you don't want. Cause let me tell you something. There have been times in the past where I have not wanted to date men. <laughs> I'll just say that. Okay. We are a headache as a man who dates men. I know that we are a headache. I'm a headache. You know what I'm saying? I'm a headache to my partner at times. There have been times where I don't want to date men, all right? So we have this magnificent superpower that sometimes we don't want, but it grants us the ability to know fucking better. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people from the LGBTQ plus community know better. Like, we know not to say certain things. We know not to go certain places. We know not to disparage certain communities and things of that nature, regardless of what our feelings is. It's okay to shut up sometimes. It's okay not to voice your concern or your opinion because opinions are like assholes. Everybody got one. But everybody's asshole ain't clean. <laughs> That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? So again, chill. Chill. Y'all gotta chill. And so, like I was saying, I'm sorry, I was going into a side rant and another rant and another rant. Being gay is kind of like having a superpower, right? Like you have this 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 ability to see beyond the stupid shit, see beyond the dumb shit, and like literally be like, okay, well, you know what? If that is what they want, that's their business. If this is what you are, and this is who you identify as, and this is who you say you are, that's great for you, and I appreciate you, welcome you, love you, and respect you for who you are, right? It seems as if 
And I'm sorry, Jeff, I'm about to disparage your community. And I don't like stepping on people's toes and I don't like stepping into lanes that ain't mine. I literally had that happen this week and I did not appreciate it. But I'm going to swerve into the heterosexual lane for a second. Mind your fucking business. Stop worrying about what gay people are doing. Literally, we out here trying to play our Nintendo Switch and buy milk. That's it. We might kiss our boyfriends or girlfriends a couple times a week, and that's it. That's what we doing. That's what we doing. There's no agenda. The agenda literally is to survive as a gay person in this world. That's it. That's our only agenda. Just like everyone else. We have the same agenda as everyone else. We don't have it all figured out. We're still trying to fucking figure it out on a daily basis, like everyone else. It's not easier for us. I wouldn't say it's harder for us. I would just say everyone has a level of struggle that they, they're, they're managing. Everyone. So again, defeatist, mind your fucking business. And that's why your damn endorsements are getting taken from you. Jeff, I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> You killed me with the fetus. Like, you killed me when you called this man the fetus. Fuck him. <laughs> he ain't the baby. He the fetus. <laughs> with your PT Cruiser looking ass head. You seen that meme with the PT Cruiser <laughs> next to the baby head? The, the fetus head? I'm sorry. That shit took Jeff. That took me out. <laughs> I was like, y'all calling this. Y'all, y'all. I'm expecting this man, the back of this man's head to pop open like a hatchback. Like, I just can't. <laughs> so, one of the things that you know to bring it to bring it full circle a little bit here. Um, what frustrated me the most about his comments, it's it's truly the STD portion of that rant, right? Because it's the reason why HIV and AIDS still remain a very deadly crisis in our community as African-Americans, right? Mm -hmm. We still have the highest rates among any race when it comes to HIV and AIDS. And yeah. I think one of the biggest reasons is because rents like, <laughs> I can't say the fetus. <laughs> the fetus. The baby. <laughs> right? Because what we do in our community, we shame people. We ostracize people. We do. Which ends up discouraging people from testing, taking preventative yes. measures, yep. seeking treatment, right? Disclosing that they have an STD with a partner or with somebody that they brought to share an intimate moment with, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, that's the part where, like, it is dangerous. Like, you are spewing this out. And it's dangerous for those who are engaged, anyone who's engaged in sexual conduct, because it makes people believe and your fans believe that because they are heterosexual, they are safe from yes. this disease that doesn't discriminate based on who you're sleeping with. Like yeah, that's a false narrative. Right? It's a false narrative, right? Um, it's to the point to like, you know, 92% of women who get AIDS are heterose heterosexual contact, obviously, right? So it's like, yeah. how do you think they're getting this, right? Like, no one's, they're not testing, we're not being safe. And it's not like your music ever talks about safe sex in general, right? It's always yeah. risky sex behavior in all of our music. It's always yeah. risky sex, right? 
Um, so instead of, you know, trying to defend your statements, you should do a true apology and, and inform people, inform your listeners, inform your fans that, yeah. hey, what I said was wrong and everyone should go get tested. Right. right. Everyone. Right. It's, it's not it's not on just one community. And I hate that. Right. Mm. Yo, I in grad school, um, the grad program I got kicked out of, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. I took a summer school class to try to stay like try not to get kicked out. Mm. I took a summer school class. And in this summer school class, my final project was a research paper on the rise of HIV and AIDS in senior citizen homes. Right? I know we're going crazy here. We're going, mm-hmm. but. And it was obviously in senior, so 60 plus community. They are a community that rarely gets tested and rarely even gets focused on but they have some of the highest rates of HIV and AIDS. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they're, you know, the women are like, I can't have no baby. Right. (laughs) So the men like you, she can't have no baby, but it's just one of those things where that's just an example of how it affects everybody. Everyone. Right. So you might want to call your grandma and granddad if they're in a senior citizen home and tell them to strap up. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and not only to mention Viagra is totally accessible to that community. And so they are getting it in, whether you want to realize it or not, uh, or whether you want to imagine it or fathom the thought of your grandparents having sex, guess what? They have working sexual organs like any other person. And guess what? Regardless of whether you find them attractive or not, they find each other attractive, and they getting it in. <laughs> and there's somebody for everybody. Listen, right. every pot got a lid, every top got a bottom. <laughs> we've, we've all seen a couple out in public like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what what I'm going to say in here, right, it's, it, you know, anybody gets mm-hmm. tested. I, there was a, mm-hmm. I listened to a radio show. And this guy recently got tested. He'd been with his girl for three years. He yeah. was like, I'm just being safe. Yeah. Like, and she thought he was cheating. He was like, yo, they said take a test for a normal checkup. And I just decided to do it. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I'm not cheating. I just decided, I think he was cheating. But anyway, <laughs> he said he's not cheating. He decided. <laughs> Going back to last week, y'all be lying. <laughs> y'all be lying, right? Because that is kind of wild, right? Yeah. Like, if I was just to come home now, I've been with my wife for, what, 13 years or something like that. And he's like, yo, I got an STD test. She's going to be like, why? <laughs> you ain't been with nobody but me. But you know what? <laughs> one of the things one of the things uh, me and my partner does is we go together, right? Like, we go get tested together. And it is important that we do that because it's not like for, you know, to see if nobody's cheating or whatever have you. Like, we totally trust each other. Ain't nobody stepping outside the relationship or whatever have you. It is about your own personal health. Literally, getting tested is about your own personal health. And mind you, if you are living with a terminal, with with a disease that could be terminal, now HIV and AIDS does not have to be terminal, right? There are people living with AIDS now where it's not terminal for them. It's manageable, okay? There are people who are living with HIV that is undetectable and, as I mentioned, are thriving out here, right? Right? Like, I have knowingly and unknowingly dated folks who were HIV positive. Um, and so, you know, it, th- that's that's something that happens. It's, it's something, you know what I'm saying, that we, you know, sometimes we just can't avoid in life. However, what you can do for yourself is go get tested because 
if you have a disease that could be terminal, you need to know how to manage it. That's it. You know, people go through grief, yes, and you there's the fear of grief about, you know, this 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 disease that could be terminal for folks that gets people caught up and gets people scared. However, if I were exposed to HIV, then I would want to know that I was exposed and I would want to know whether I had it or not because I would want to know first off how do I manage this? How do I save myself from a disease that can be ultimately be terminal uh, terminal if I don't manage it? Period. And that's what people need to keep in mind. It is something that can be managed, but you have to know. Get tested. Get tested. I mean, it's been a minute since I started a new relationship, and I don't plan on starting a new relationship ever again. <laughs> I bet your wife happy to hear that because she like, okay, you you plan on it, and you gonna get that head bust. <laughs> I told my wife, <laughs> we gonna be angry roommates at the end of the day. Like if if things just start falling, we gonna be just angry roommates. Like ain't no divorce. You ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't out here trying to be swiping left or right on all your apps trying to find something. This ain't it. I ain't about that life. So we together forever. Just just know that. But back in the day, right, standard practice for me was anybody that I was going to engage with, right? Uh, now, there were like some random, a couple random nights, obviously, I was couch stupid. But if there was somebody I was been courting, you would say, before we did the do, it was like, yo, we getting tested. Like, that, yeah. was, that was my practice. That was always my practice. Like, mm-hmm. yo, we got to get tested. And when test results come back, then yeah. we can do what we need to do. But... For me, and I don't know if I did that subconsciously because I had an uncle pass away uh, due to the mm-hmm. virus. Uh, I, yeah. Less listeners don't know, so um, I don't think you know mm-hmm. either, Jarrell. So my uncle was a mm-hmm. famous disco singer, Sylvester, right? Um, what, Jeff? You lying? No, nah, that was my uncle, <laughs> Sylvester. Sylvester, you make me uncle. feel. Bro, I love Sylvester. <laughs> so that's my uncle. What? Uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. So um, he passed away from AIDS. And yeah. um, my dad tells me the story of the last time they seen him. They took me and they wouldn't even let me in the room. Right. Because, I mean, he died really early, um, early 80s. No one really knew what yeah. AIDS were, really was. And they were like, we don't want kids going in the room. Yada, right. yada. But I think those experiences, those stories really for me stuck so whenever i knew i was going to be engaging with someone and if it was going to be a a normal thing for us even even if we were just f buddies right like even if we were just getting in just getting in i needed them to get tested because i wanted to be safe right because i directly was impacted by that but yeah so and and jeff can i pull over to the side real quick yeah let our listeners know something One of the things I love and respect about your uncle, having never met him, but knowing that he was such an icon in the disco world and such a gay icon. I mean, what gay doesn't know Sylvester, right? Um, Or any of Sylvester's songs. One of the things that I want to remind our listeners is Sylvester did not catch HIV by being nasty and out here in the streets and what the, the, the feed is saying, sucking dicks in cars and stuff like that. Sylvester was in love with his partner his partner had HIV, and it was a love story that lasted to the very end of the both of them, right? Sylvester stuck by his partner to the very end. And Sylvester l- literally lived as our living, breathing icon 
of what this disease can do to people in our community. And he allowed himself to be that because he was such a notable person. And that's wild that he's your uncle. Yeah, that's man, wild. We got, we got okay, that's wild. Billboard awards my and all that stuff. See, we, we got, learn about we, we, we learn new stuff about each other every week. <laughs> yeah, we, we got plaques and everything. Um, Whoa. You know, gold records, all that. Um, and I, I am so like he died in '88, right? So yeah. obviously, I didn't really get an opportunity to really know. Like when he died, I was mm-hmm. I think two years old or something like that. Um, yeah, but I there's so much pride in me when like when I see people light up like you did when you found out he was my uncle um, yeah. <laughs> because I, I tell people all the time if you don't know who Sylvester get your Google on get your Google on he was a Man. big deal big deal he was the personification he, of love like and he was an openly out gay black man yes. in the 70s and the 80s just think about that yeah. so, like this yeah. is my music, and this is who I am. I'm going to wear dresses. I'm wearing my ha- I'm long, flowy hair. Like, this is who I am, right? And he did that way before people thought it was cool. Like, y'all love Lil Nas X, you will love Sylvester. Just to let you know. Listen, Sylvester walked so Big Frida could run, okay? Or Big Frida <laughs> could work. Because Big Frida really is the, the second coming of Sylvester, but Sylvester did it first. <laughs> Yo, I never thought about that yes. until you said. And <laughs> Frida also credits Sylvester as one of her influences. Like, I'm a huge awesome. Big Frida fan, and Sylvester is like Frida's icon. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's all that to say, yo, get tested out here, man. Yeah. Um, get tested. And it's, and if, Get tested with your partner. Get tested together. And once again, it's not a it's not a trust thing. It's really about a health thing. Yeah. Um, our community, yeah. African American community, doesn't do a great job with making sure that we're healthy. Um, getting regular checkups, going to the doctors. That's why I am dealing with the stuff with my father and petrified of through it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though I have a ex- hard exterior, I'm petrified of the of what could be in the future, and it's because we don't regularly get ourselves checked out we don't do yearly physicals i don't do yearly physicals right mm-hmm. i don't go to the doctor until something is wrong and that is to the last you don't want to go to the doctor yeah. until something's wrong um so don't listen to these idiots out in the streets or on stages um do some googles find the research for yourself but get tested mm-hmm. get tested hiv and aids impacts everyone it doesn't impact just the homosexual community, right? It doesn't. Ooh. It impacts everyone. And every every time that someone places blame on our LGBTQ mm-hmm. community, another heterosexual person is infected and hurt by it because of, once again, the fear, the ostracization, so the demonizing of getting tested, of knowing your status, right? It's crazy when I think about it. Growing up, that's all we ever heard about. Like, growing yeah. up, all we ever heard about was getting tested. And now, mm-hmm. I don't know, outside of, like, you can have this home kit, um, you don't hear anything about prevention anymore, which is scary. That is scary. Yeah. Right. That is scary. You hear about how you can live with it now, but you don't hear about prevention. 
because management is big business now, like management. And then, you know, just like Jeff said, you know, you can do a simple Google search like I just did in the last like minute. 42% of new cases of HIV and AIDS in this country is African-American folks. We're almost at half. And this is just our population. The other, you know, 58% is a breakdown of white folks, Asians, uh, everybody else. Janet, everybody else. We're 42%. That is huge. That's huge. Right. For one population of people that only make up about 14% of the actual population of the United States. That's what I'm saying. Our community, because we demonize mm-hmm. so much. It makes people take in risky behaviors and not take precautions because they don't want to be deemed as such. Right. And yet that is doing the reverse. It is having the reverse effect. It is yeah. taking more harm and making more harm to our community. If we were just embrace this idea of loving each other and looking That's out for each other and getting tested. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in other, I know for a fact, right. And other races, homophobia runs rapid. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I talk sure. about that with my wife. Yeah, I talk about that with my wife and being from a traditional Mexican family. Like, I know, like, I, we talk about these things. But I feel like for us, we make such a big-ass spectacle about it. And our celebrities make such a big-ass spectacle about it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we feel the need to do that to each other on a global scale. Right? That's ridiculous. Like, I can't think of... Anyone, when Ricky Martin came out, I can't think of like any Latin or Hispanic person like disparaging Ricky Martin. No. Or coming out hourly disparaging the whole community. Like, I don't see that. And yet, the baby is just one example for the last 30 years mm-hmm. of our Black celebrities talking down about this community as it relates to HIV and AIDS. Yeah. Like, I don't see... I don't see anyone else tearing each other down the way that we do on a daily. I know it happens, mm-hmm. but they keep that shit indoors. We love to air our laundry out and our business to the whole world. Stop mm-hmm. airing us out. Like protect us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 mind blowing, and it, it and a part of that is a fear of black men's hypersexuality, right, and hypermasculinity, right? Like we have to be hypermasculine because. There's this fear of the destruction of the black family or this fear of the, you know, uh, the destruction of the black race. When in actuality, that's not true. That is not a thing. That is not where we're going. That's not happening. Right. Like we don't have to be hyper masculine. We don't have to be these hypersexual beings to prove our masculinity. That's not it. I am a cisgender masculine presenting gay man. And if you didn't know me, you probably wouldn't even know that I was actually gay, even though I'll tell you all the time. And, you know, some of my friends and and, and some people say it as a joke that I don't quite find funny. Um, They're like, Jarrell, you're probably the most straight gay man I know. And that's not a compliment to me, by the way. (laughs) It's not a compliment um, at all. Message. Right. But what I will say is, you know what I'm saying? Like gay men are masculine. There are masculine presenting men, gay men. There are feminine presenting gay men. And they're as equally valid as masculine presenting gay men and equally desirable as masculine 
gay men, right? Um, and they do not contribute to the downfall or the degradation of the African-American race in, as, an, as an entity because they're the ones behind the scenes pulling shit together. Bayard Rustin, for example, put together the, um, the damn March on Washington with Dr. King, a gay man, okay? He put all that shit together. Gays are, have been behind the scenes all this time helping out, pulling shit together, making shit work, but yet we always get shat on. Message. Because shit, it ain't a word, okay? I, I, I know my Baltimore folks. Y'all say shit, it. Shat is the word, okay? But we get shat on all the time, even though we're always in the backgrounds, pulling the strings, helping out, doing whatever we can to make stuff work, but we always get shat on, and we always get scapegoated for stuff like HIV AIDS and things of that nature because everyone needs a scapegoat. It just so happens to be those people that we find less desirable and in the African-American community, it is easy to pinpoint and say those gays. We're very visible. Also, I think what leads to this even more so, because I still have this conversation with certain family members, so I know it's pervasive mm-hmm. still in the black community. They still think this shit is a choice. Why? <laughs> And I and I, th- that's literally what I ask like anyone who I'm like so you would tell me someone is knowingly it's like yo I don't I don't want to be accepted by my family I don't want to be accepted by society I want to get shot on every day of my life I want to be disrespected I want to be violently abused Ooh. hurt for my life like this is what I am actively choosing why would you choose that literally you will actively choose to have your life not valued forever. Yeah. Literally from fourth grade until eighth grade, I was called a faggot more times than I can count. I was picked on because I was visibly not like the other guys, right? Like not going after girls and all that stuff like that. And keep in mind in fifth and sixth grade and in eighth grade, I had a girlfriend, (laughs) but was called a faggot. Okay. Like, who would want that? And I only had a girlfriend because I was scared. I knew who I was. I knew who I was very early. But I only did those things just to prove people who didn't matter anyway wrong, even though they were right. Like, I was gay. I just didn't want to be called a faggot. I didn't want to be persecuted because of who I actually was. You know what I'm saying? And those are the lengths that we take. We go against our natural selves just to feel safe. Why would you do that? And then... When it comes down to dating men, I'm going to just say it. That shit is the ghetto sometimes. Why would you actively choose? I know so many bomb-ass women that I would date in a heartbeat, okay? Um, now, well, my, my partner is uh, a listener. Um, baby, I love you. Um, and, and, yeah. But, <laughs> but still, like, if I had a choice, I don't, well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't choose to be who I am because I don't know anyone else to be, right? I wouldn't choose to be heterosexual because I don't know any other person to be. This is who I am. I would not choose to not be me. This is me in totality. So it's not a choice. It's not a choice. It's not, right? It's not. But what is a choice? It's shutting the hell up. And sometimes 
majority of the time, yep. it's okay to shut up. Yep. I should have did that last, this week when my uh, co-worker yep. said something to me and I felt like I needed to say something. I could have just shut up and we would have been fine, but nope. I tried to defend it, tried to be the protector, and I fucked it all up. So, this is my message to the baby, Boozy, T.I., and our listeners, whenever you put in a predicament where you don't know what you're talking about, just remember, it's okay to shut up. And we out. Peace.